The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All hit Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Tell you something, Exxon Nation, we're going to give you and everyone else around this beautiful world of ours something to talk about. Over the next hour, my guest is going to be Nigel Kerner. We're going to be talking to Nigel about his new book, Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, The Conspiracy to Genetically Tamper with Humanity. In 1997, Nigel Kerner first introduced the notion of aliens known as greys coming to Earth, explaining that the greys are sophisticated biological robots created by an extraterrestrial civilization that have long since outlived. In his new book, uh, Nigel reveals that the greys are seeking to master death by obtaining something humans possess that they do not, souls. Through the manipulation of DNA, human DNA that is, The aliens hope to create their very own souls and thereby escape the grip of the material universe in favor of timeless realm of spirituality or the timeless realm of spirit. Nigel explains that genetic manipulation by the greys has occurred ever since biblical times and has led to numerous negative qualities that plague humanity, such as violence, greed, and uh, even racism. Joining me now from the United Kingdom is the author of Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, The Conspiracy to Genetically Tamper with Humanity, Nigel Kerner. And Nigel, welcome to the Exxon. A pleasure having you with us, sir. It's pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much for, for inviting me on. You know, I, I was telling you before we went on air that I received a copy of your book just yesterday. And uh, usually, I it'll take me some time before I get to the books that I'm sent. However, after talking to your people and Nick Redfern, who wrote a, um, a review for you, has been on the show many times, and the last time he was on, he mentioned you. So I, 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 I got your book, and I've got to tell you something. You're going to shock a lot of people. 
not only the people that listen to this show, but the people that read your book, you're going to open up minds. And and my philosophy has been that we each carry a little piece of the jigsaw puzzle of life in our pockets. And if we were to bring the pieces to a table like we do a real jigsaw and worked on it as such, we would solve these mysteries. However, after going through your book, You've changed the way that I look at that because I think once we were able to bring the piece of the puzzle to the table, put the jigsaw together, we'd be missing pieces left, right, and center. Well, the intriguing thing about the whole business of this uh, gray alien is that it it astonished me um, in that it brought together all... All the great um, questions that we ask, you know, the, 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 um, through my researches into the UFO mm-hmm. phenomenon, I discovered that there is a, a natural and obvious connection that ties science, religion, and philosophy in a way that I had never seen before. My background is kind of I, I'm sorry, are you there, Nigel? Nigel, are you there? Uh, apparently, Exo Nation, it seems that we have lost Nigel. We, what we're going to do is we're going to take a commercial break, Exo Nation, and when we come back, uh, we will have Nigel back with us. We're talking with Nigel Kerner. He is the author of Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls. His website is www.nigelkerner.com. That's N-I-G-E-L-K-E-R-N-E-R. Com. And Nigel and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we can. T- there is no news after this commercial break in two minutes here in the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon. Nigel Kerner is my guest. Once again, Nigel's website is www.nigelkerner.com. Don't go away. We'll be back on the other side of this two minute commercial break. Oh, hello, hello. Hello, are you picking me up? Hello? Are you hearing me? Hello? Are you hearing me? Hello? to tell you something, Exxon Nation. Strange things happen on this show when you don't expect them to. Um, you know, here we were talking to Nigel. We're using Skype on this interview. He's in the United Kingdom. I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. All of a sudden, it's dead. You know, and hes <laughs> it's as clear as a bell on Nigel's end. It's as clear as a bell here in our studios. His engineer doesn't know what's going on. My engineer doesn't go know what's going on. But you see what? Nigel and I figured it out. It's the Greys. They don't want this word to get out there. And Nigel, thank you very much for joining us. Nice talking to you again. I'm a romantic, but I don't think I'm that romantic, Rob. <laughs> Nigel, what started you on your quest? Well, a simple question from, from my young boy at the time, 12 years old, mm-hmm. asked me, Dad, 
are um, uh, gray are aliens real are the ufo phenomenon is that phenomenon a real phenomenon in our own terms of reference mm -hmm. and of course my f first instinct was to dismiss him peremptorily and say no this is all nonsense blah 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 and we you know we all kind of used to our buck rogers and we all yeah. came through the comic books of science and whatever and of course i, I it was that kind of cartoon-esque type of um, um, view prevailed in my, my thinking. But, you know, when my son asks me a question, there's usually an ulterior motive behind it, and I suspected that he wanted something that he could bash me with, you know. <laughs> and I decided that this, I wasn't going to give him the privilege, so I had a look at this. I uh -huh. said, look, I'll give me a rain check on this. I'll come back to you about this. Well, I'll tell you what. That question prompted a complete reversal of my thinking. It's mm -hmm. taken me nearly 40 years in all, because uh, I was rather curious about all kinds right. of phenomena, always thought outside the box and so on. Family was science-soaked, and I had a kind of sense of, you know, a, a meticulous thinking and analysis and that kind of neutral standpoint that was kind of trained into me. Uh, hitch up your prejudices somewhere else and mm -hmm. when you walk into a laboratory you, you look at things you know as cogently as you can and so on anyway yeah. the, po the point was that this thing went through its, 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 its um, uh, retinues of, of verification and so on and I had a very good research team behind me over the years and so forth and the more I looked into it the more I became convinced from being totally skeptical about this, it turned me completely upside down that this thing was not harmless. This was a real phenomenon that's going on in the world today. And I would go as far as to say that at this moment in time, it's the most powerful and best kept secret in existence. And that this is something that every single human being on the face of the earth should be told about and understood understand in fact and of course you know that's a very big claim i realize and the point is i had to back this up with as much evidence and as much clarity as i could so we i set about a whole series of as i said research procedures mm -hmm. and so on and i've arrived at the conclusion now that we as a species aren't what it seems, what we've always taken for granted we were, some kind of incredible creation by a benevolent anthropomorphic god or whatever. But there's a whole new deal here, a whole new way of looking at this. And if you really want to look at it in any kind of logical perspective, you really have got to hang up those old prejudices on the old Siegfried line, whatever, and look at this thing as, as in, in a clear new light of day, so to speak, um, something that uh, uh, one has to, uh, to do in every, every aspect of it, no matter how small. So through my researches into the UFO phenomenon, I discovered that science, religion, and philosophy are bound together in such a harmonious and wondrous way that that bizarre title that uh, signals my book, you know, Grey Aliens and the right. Harvesting of Selves, incidentally, I'll let you into a secret, Rob, that What's wasn't that? my choice of title. It was actually the, 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 the choice of the publishers, and obviously for their reasons and so sure. forth. But it really does hitch up to uh, a, a great sense of, of the truth, in, in fact, as we turn it around. And I found that, in fact, what is what we term life and death, what is natural and what is artificial, all come into this question answering the important things, that we, the questions we ask. Who are we? What are we? Where are we going? Why is the universe here? All the, the, the grand questions mm -hmm. that have occupied them 
much greater minds than mine, I must say. Uh, uh, and, and so, you know, it, it's something that anyone who wants to look just beyond the fringes of the box, so to speak, uh, would be able to kind of elucidate and so forth. And that's really what brought me uh, into this, this realm of of space research and whatever. Every single discipline came in to this, this, these, these uh, dots that I had to kind of tie uh, into the, the whole um, uh, situation that, that I found before me as I went uh, from research point to research point and so on. <clears throat> I have to ask you, what do you believe are the origins of the gray aliens seen so often in abduction experiences, Nigel? And what yeah. do you think their agenda might be with us. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. Okay. We, we seem to be steadily moving towards, you know, the transformation mm-hmm. of our natural humanity these days into a kind of artificial version. Now, I'm not trying to be extreme about this, but you know, I, I think you'll, you'll get a gist of what I mean. Our progress towards what I call SIM card man Yes. is accelerating, you know. It sure is. The implantation of chips in the human body is gaining acceptance, be it for the enhancement of intelligence mm-hmm. or memory, or as a type of medical alert bracelet, perhaps implanted in the hand or wrist, so that uh, if you were found in unconscious, for instance, you could be scanned and your medical history brought up and, and good things may be done. Right. Wonderful justifications for all of this. In the news today, or... It actually was today, but it's it's been here. It's been in the news recently. There are reports that NASA and General Motors are just putting the finishing touches on a project to send robots out into space with astronauts. The robots would eventually, you know, be left behind as caretakers right. to run longer-term experiments and so on. Now, my postulation is this. In trying to find an answer to why this phenomenon has suddenly come upon the earth, that these incredible things that have been seen by very erudite individuals, responsible individuals, including astronauts, pilots, doctors, lawyers, people who have been trained to observe things as accurately as possible and whose life structure depends on accurate observation, Many, many thousands of them testified to a very real and cogent experience, not some ephemeral ghostly business here where these UFOs are concerned. Things that move at 25,000 miles an hour and, and move at right angles in an instant and so forth. Things that actually change. There was a recent thing that was at the press club in Washington where some very, very um, uh, distinguished individuals uh, was saying that they actually altered the um, nuclear codes on nuclear missiles. In fact, in halted the uh, launching of nuclear missiles. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that is a very big deal indeed, as many people might realize. So could the gray aliens themselves be the final product of a civilization at some location out there in the universe achieving a, a much grandest scale of technological advancement than ours, and ours is only, what, 200 years old at the most, Rob, and carrying it on so far that the natural body is transformed into artificial implants, into a biomechanical artificial entity that I call a roboid. The gray, I believe, is not a natural biological thing. It is really a uh, manufactured, uh, made-up physical mechanism that is a quantum 
a computer that is out there to gather information at the behest, perhaps, of a natural being out there that is far superior and advanced to us. Now, we're doing this, as I say, said earlier, in our own rudimentary way, relatively speaking. Yes. And these things, of course, might be so advanced that what we are would depend crucially on the programming of these things. And these things may well be programmed just simply to get compound information, information added upon information, so to speak, that extrapolated in terms of permutations and so on, to give um, uh, various outlooks and compendiums uh, of meaning and so forth. But we have a big, big problem here. What's that, sir? The problem is we come from a original stance with the universe. We are, as natural living beings, a complete contrast to this mechanism of roboidal uh, manufacture, if you see what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Each living being can trace ancestry back, you know, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and so on, all the way back to the beginning of the universe itself. And maybe, and this is the crucial thing, what is beyond the atom, so to speak. And now this incredible difference is what everything hinges on, to my mind. One has to analyze this piecemeal, so to speak, as carefully as possible, taking the reasonable look in logical steps, both minimalistic and maximalistic, so to speak, and looked at in a clear, clear, defined way. And when you do this, you begin to see an amazing thing open up before you, that in fact maybe the two basic contrasts existentially in our universe is that of naturalness against artificialness, and that if you contrast those two things, you've got trouble for one with the other, so to speak. And I think that what happens is in our rush, as we are rushing now, to do this with our own version of robots, we are not seeing that one day maybe that naturalness and whatever the natural capacity of life and living might be, might well be taken away. But imagine if this naturalness also includes access to something beyond the atom that is not actually configured the way we think scientifically in logical and solid hardwired terms, shall we say. Supposing that there is an eternality, and I mean a indefinite eternality for the natural side of things, and supposing that the, the, the uh, continuance mm-hmm. paradigm for artificial things is temporal. If you look at the, the science of the universe, Rob, you have got this thing we call the second law of thermodynamics. All right, stand by, please, Nigel. You and I have to take a commercial break with the news. Fascinating, gentlemen. Fascinating story. Fascinating book, ExoNation. Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls. www.nigelkerner.com. N-I-G-E-L-K-E-R-N-E-R.com. We'll be back on the other side of the news. My name's Rob McConnell. Don't go away. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, 
My name is Splenda, and you're listening to my dad, Ron McConnell, on the Exxon. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. It sounds like uh, Stacy's mom is another uh, Mrs. Robinson. Jeez. Hmm, Mrs. Robinson and Stacy's mom. Don't you know that uh, doing that with young kids is against the law? But I digress, Exonation. My guest this hour is Nigel Kerner. He's the author of Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, the Conspiracy to Genetically Tamper with Humanity. And I must read this 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 paragraph to you, explanation, because this totally grabbed me. You know, like, I, I think we take so much for granted, and we hear things, we see things, and we don't add one and one. But in the very first pages of Nigel's book, you know, it's it, it's it's the beginning, it's, it's, what is it, page two of chapter one? The theses of evolution put forward by Charles Darwin is commonly used to explain uh, the development to betterment. Development comes with the passage of time through the natural survival of the fittest and therefore the best. This is regarded as an incidental and fortuitous process that depends on mere chance to genetically bring about the development of the larger brain capacity that makes us capable of better and better things. As an aside... It might be worth asking why Neanderthals did not go to the moon before we did, uh, since their brains were larger than ours. Yes, well, <laughs> you, see, you see, there's a lot, a lot of baloney wrapped up in, in common parlance, so to speak, in common ideas. And I think that's the, most pro- the thing that I discovered as I went along. There's so much of this mm-hmm. that doesn't actually tie up, you know, when you connect up the dots yep. and so on. For instance, the most basic thing, Rob, is that there is this thing we call the second law of thermodynamics. And that says that all things, all atomic, enforced things, with time, go into greater and greater states of chaos and randomness mm-hmm. with time. So everything rots institutionally. And in fact, the latest position of all cosmology is quite simply that the universe is finite and will end 
with a complete and utter cold, dark nothingness, and that all meaning would be gone, all structures would be gone, all sense or whatever would be gone. So does that mean we return to the void from which we came? In fact, that is exactly what it's all about, and uh, and that it actually ends, the entire thing ends in in terms of the laws of physics, that's exactly what they're saying. And the incredible thing is, you've got to ask this question, is there something, if that is so in terms of a forced paradigm like the atom Mm -hmm. or an atomic universe, could there be another paradigm that exists, and I'm not talking now dimensions, I'm talking about a completely obverse paradigm that might be described, for want of a better word, as spiritual. And I think the great teachers came to tell us that there is such a mechanism, and there were, in fact, two posts. There was one where everything goes together, a, a kind of mechanism brings all parts together, And there's one that takes all parts apart, and I think we are in that one, in the one that takes all parts apart. But that's only in the way we are as atomic being. But when we die, perhaps there is a mechanism that carries on after death, and you've got so much uh, evidence with NDEs and so on Mm -hmm. that that allude to this, that this construct there allows for survival of a natural living mechanism past the stage of physical atomic capture, so to speak, into another state of being. Now, the problem with the greys or mechanical things is that I believe that these things came here, found a kind of creature that could live, die, and perhaps come back again into another body and live again. After all, you know, most religions believed in reincarnation. Yes. Perhaps there might be some mechanism here that isolates us as such a with such a capacity. If that is so, we have got a sensational quality to us, which would be wanted by a mechanical entity that sees this thing and says, hey, we are going to break up with the second law of thermodynamics. We are, after all, atomic. But these guys, they are still atomic, but they have a facility to come back again, to be born again. Perhaps this is what they're after. And my construct of a soul or paradigm, mm-hmm. shall we say of soul, is quite simply that line of information that comes to each one of us individually from the beginning of the universe to now, to our present identities. And that, that line of information at our death, continues on into another paradigm, the universe of the whole, so to speak, as I say, in different ways, and is, is there in different stages, if you see what I'm trying to say. And some of it comes back again into this universe, and I try to explain all of that in the book, how I would construct these two paradigms together and so on, and that these two vital mechanisms govern everything and that's where i bring in this construct of a soul and ufos in fact it is extremely plausible to look at it like this if indeed you look at the the logic of the thing one plus one equals one plus one by the way not two (laughs) and all mathematicians will understand my point and i'm sure the people who have a little bit of the old numbers construct in the heads might also get my point there And so the whole thing then progresses to the joy and the power of humanity. And if there is a 
artificial type of power coming from the universe at the behest of some mistaken um, 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 uh, prompt to go out there and find new meanings and they discover us. Maybe they're saying to themselves, hey, if these guys can do it, Mm -hmm. we want a portion of that. How do we piggyback on this? And so they're developing particular types of us to marry with their own artificial minds, their compendium kind of artificial intelligent minds, program minds. And so that's where the danger lies, I think, for all humanity. Now, that is just an opinion, and I'm not here to teach the world new meanings, but I would like you know, people who read the book to take a look at this and ask themselves a question. What do you think? Could that be possible? Is that a plausible suggestion? Sort of thing, you know. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to claim that I'm teaching the world some great new lesson or whatever. But really, it struck me when I looked at all of this that the only way you can see and explain these things and why they might be lingering here and why our DNA, ninety-seven percent of which we don't actually use, why is it there? Could it be that these things are storing some kinds of mechanism within us or had stored previously some kinds of mechanism through which they experiment to adjust us to their needs and wants? And that would explain the abductions and the bad trips that people have in this particular thing. We are just kinds of lab rats at the behest of their technology. And if they were good beings, if they had some wonderful sense of us, kindly sense, surely the first duty would be to inform the people that they are here to help us with their mighty, you know, scope and beneficence and so on, and grant that to us instead of hiding away, instead of keeping away from us all, and having themselves hidden by perhaps certain cartels of humanity who have been fooled into thinking by these, these things that they are here for the good of mankind, when in fact it might well be for the opposite. Why do you think? Why do you think the governments of the world are not are, are are not telling the public about this? Why do you think they're suppressing this information? Well, the ostensible reason for it all is that it would create panic, and I think that's absolute poppycock, codswallop. Mm-hmm. Well, a lovely word. In I like that. Cods, it's absolute garbage, really. And the fact is, I think that there is a small cartel of specialized beings, mm-hmm. perhaps genetically engineered by these creatures, who in fact have the real power of this world, and that that small caucus is in fact at the center of most of what we know to be governmental uh, mechanisms uh, that, uh, under which we all um, uh, um, uh, have to prevail and so on. And I think that this particular thing is something that the whole world needs to look at. We, all of us need to ask this question or else before we know what we are, a very clever, highly intelligent type of being that has, has their agenda – uppermost, will actually work it exactly like this. Not show themselves, especially if the agenda is not, as I said, to our benefit, mm-hmm. but theirs. If you see what I'm trying to say. So you see, there's yeah. a lot to look at here, and I don't really want to cause you know, kinds of panic or whatever. But you know, I want my children to know what kind of future they might have. It's a very simple thing that a, a, a parent would want for their child. And basically, you know, and the, the other thing that was incredible about all of this, and maybe I can just talk a little bit about it in the next section of your program, and that is how this 
mechanism ties in with life, death, spirituality, and something incredible that happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago that actually ties in, you know, another bizarre connection, um, uh, ties in uh, Jerusalem and a man called Yeshua ben Yosef, Jesus Christ, with, with this present artifact we have got that people are investigating called the Shroud of Turin. And of course, Expertise is my longtime collaborator and chum, uh, Dr. Andrew Silverman. I, I understand you're going to have him on yes, the program. Yes, we're going to have him on next week. As a matter of and fact, yes, he's 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 the um, uh, he's the expert mm-hmm. on the on the actual scientific details of all of this. But he delivered a talk at Frascati, Italy, where all the top scientists in the world researching the shroud at the moment. Uh, gathered together on something that I had written, that Andrew had read, and that uh, uh, just kind of inspired him to go and take this on into a philosophical um, uh, outlook, which he, he catalogued absolutely brilliantly at, at this meeting. And I hope that you, know, you, you, know, you really uh, get a good uh, kind of uh, um, sense of this whole thing from what Andrew has to say next week about that. But it really does marry up, you know, this business of the shroud, about spirit, mm-hmm. about matter, about artificiality, about naturality, and so on. It's those underlying existential precepts that I think we all have to take a serious look at if you, in fact, value our scope as this thing we call human. And I think Jesus Christ, with this incredible thing he did uh, with the shroud, demonstrated that we have a fantastic capacity. I mean human beings. He did refer to us in the New Testament as gods. He said, don't ye know ye are gods, and you will do things much greater than I do. And that is really what I'm trying to get through in, in my book to, to human beings. That is not a, a catalog of doom. In fact, it's trying to show us that there is something mighty about us all, which, as time goes on, we have failed to recognize, really, because religions have cartelized, tribalized us, and quite frankly, lied to us. <laughs> I believe, sir, that history has lied to us from the very beginning, that historians have been suppressing the truth, that they are more responsible for the suppression of truth than any government on this planet. Imagine how many souls have gone before, not quite realizing the full meaning of what we might actually be. That if Jesus Christ did what he did, and Mm -hmm. the shroud is what people now think it might be, we've got a fantastic affirmation of the power and size of every single human being on this earth, Rob. And that really is something worth talking about. Uh, You see, and if... The powers to be suppress the truth that we each have this great power within each and every one of us, then they lose control. Of course they do. And of course the only things that can do that are the things that do not understand that Mm -hmm. power. And a machine, of course, programmed in mindedness, so to speak, my word, mindedness, (laughs) programmed in mindedness, (laughs) will not be able to realize the damage it is doing by quite simply trying to get a bit of the action that we as natural beings can in fact achieve. And so that, I think, is this big deal, this big construct between aliens, grey alien robots, and us, and what we see out there in the skies and wherever. 
And that's what's inspired me to write this. When finally I got the intuition and inspiration and it finally clicked. It took long enough. I mean, I was doing research a long, long time before I woke up and said, oh, my goodness, I wonder if this might be what it's all about. And that's when I started writing the books. And, of course, it's taken me three books to tell the story, the second of which you, 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 uh, I've just has been published last year. And we'll wait to see what the, the groundswell is and see what kind of trouble it's caused before we release the third one. Sir, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, Nigel Kerner is my very special guest. And uh, Nigel's book is entitled Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, the Conspiracy to the to genetically tamper with humanity. Now, Christmas is right around the corner. This would be a great Christmas gift for anyone who's into alien abductions, greys, UFOs, anyone who's into the truth. This is a great Christmas gift. His website is www.nigelkerner.com. That's www.nigelkerner.com. Dot com. Nigel and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Do not, I mean do not go away. Nation, Nigel Kerner is my special guest. His website is www.nigelkerner.com. And he's the author of Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, the Conspiracy to Genetically Tamper with Humanity. Uh, first of all, Nigel, great having you with us. Uh, one hour is not long enough. That's why we have another hour next week with one of your associates. We're going to be talking about the Shroud of Turin and how it ties in with what you and I were talking about tonight. And then you're going to be back with us in three weeks to do a roundup. Uh, first of all, what would you like to tell our listeners? We've got about three minutes left. Yeah, well, the, the whole point about it is that this actually points to something that ties in religion with all of this. And let me say at the start, I'm not a very religious person. In fact, I am not religious at all, and particularly against organized religion. However, when I was young, somebody sprinkled some water on me and called me a Catholic, a Roman Catholic. Well, I, I managed to get rid of that by the time I was seven and refused to kiss the, 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 the proverbial bishop's ring and all right. that artificial nonsense that mm-hmm. they come up with and so forth. How, but it left in me a, a thought about this individual, the stories of which were given to me at Christmas and so on, called Jesus Christ and so forth. And in looking at this particular thing and seeing the beauty of this actual physical human being, you know, that came and did these wonderful things, yeah. I began to, to understand a little bit more about what humanity can be. So he's the model for that, shall we say. No more than that. However, in my researches into all of this, I came across and I did some research into the religious context on which these premises of UFOs can be tied. And there's so much literature that does this and so forth. And in doing that, I looked at all the religious notations that spoke about Jesus Christ and what he did that weren't in the New Testament or the Old Testament – 
in fact, in the obscure books and so forth, and like the Nag Hammadi thing um, uh, context and so forth. And there's a, there are several accounts within the text of the Gnostic Gospel Library, for instance, in which Jesus carefully explains to his apostles mm-hmm. exactly how to deal with the alien beings should they be faced with them. Most notably, of these, uh, these explanations he gave, you know, um, Rob, uh, is, that's given in the first apocalypse of James in the Nag Hammadi Codex. And the Nag Hammadi Codex was a series of scrolls found by an Arab shepherd in a cave in, 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 in Judea. And that this cave actually um, gave these wonderful sheets of, of affirmation of the, of, of the New Testament in the Bible with all the books that aren't normally included in, in, the, in the four Gospels and so on, and the Acts of the Apostles. And Jesus warns in this Nag Hammadi Codex, warns James about the entities that take away souls by theft. He then tells him that the way to deal with such entities is to be as alike as possible to the state of pre-existence, i.e. the state before the existence of the physical universe. So I think he was explaining this thing I call in my book the Godverse, this thing where all things would go, the, the, the component where all things go together, whereas our universe is quite the opposite, where all things are taken apart and broken up with, with time and so on. So the grace, mm-hmm. in fact, can only exist, it seems, for life. And, and they are adapting us for their kind of existence, heading only for an immortality. They Nigel, I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. Oh, I want to thank you very much for joining us. A great pleasure. You're going to be back with us in three weeks' time. I can't wait because we have to, to continue this. I'm so sorry about the interruption. Don't be sorry, my know, friend. It's been a great honor and pleasure talking to you, Nigel. Exonation Nigel Kerner has been my guest this hour. He's the author of Great Aliens and Harvesting of Souls. We'll be back tomorrow night. Until then, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night, everyone. Stay.